0: Hey everyone, welcome to Infused Church Online. My name is Taylor and I'm one of the pastors here at Infused. Today we're continuing our four part series called I Don't Wanna. And we are looking at a life principle, something that is applicable in all circumstances of life, and how that can make an immediate and lasting difference when it comes to our lives, specifically in relationship to responsibility, so stick around to find out more about this important principle. Today we're continuing a four-part series called I Don't Wanna. Um, it's a conversation about responsibility because our tendency is that when we get up in the morning on Sunday mornings and we're thinking about, you know, do we go to church or not, we think, do I wanna or not? And some of you, it appears this morning at least, um, oh, I'm good. I'm t- oh, now you don't wanna, No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> no. We're doing it note-free today, folks, so we're going to see how this goes, okay? Um, that, sorry, yeah, that you think to yourself, do I want to or do I not want to? And um, uh, sometimes, I don't want to trumps at least some of these things on the list or in the front of your program. Now, if you missed last week and you want to catch up um, or you're going to miss some of the upcoming weeks for some reason, uh, you can go to our website, infuse.church wanna, and follow along, or you can just download our Infuse Church app and listen or watch, <coughs> excuse me, uh, there as well. Now, last week, um, to kind of catch you back up or remind you if you forgot, last week we defined responsibility as something very specific, that its responsibility is taking ownership for your life and its impact on others. Now, if you're familiar with um, some self-assessment tools like Myers-Briggs disk assessment, there's one that's uh, really popular. I guess if you're a student, I think, or your employee at the university, everybody takes this. It's called Strength Finder 2.0, and it helps define um, five strengths that you have. And one of those strengths can be responsibility. And uh, I just thought it was so interesting how they talked about this word ownership that I thought I'd share it with you. They said ownership is psychological ownership, that you are bound in your mind, and I think honestly your heart, you're bound to that task or that relationship or whatever it may be in your life um, that you are responsible for. And so you're going to take ownership for that part, those things in your life. But it doesn't stop there because like we said last week, if you just stop at your life, you're going to live a pretty selfish, self-focused life. Or if you're just responsible for your stuff, you kind of do it to the detriment or the blessing or, um, of other people regardless. And so that's why I added this last part, that it's an impact on others, that you're considering, you're um, factoring into the equation of responsibility how that impacts others. Now, last week, uh, because I got a lot of feedback um, and I knew it was kind of going to go there, uh, we dug kind of deep. We got a little bit um, uh, into some subjects that could be a little touchy. Um, Some of you found it to be uh, helpful, um, a little painful, a little convicting, uncomfortable. Um, and I uh, can appreciate that, um, that's why we do that sometimes, um, and you may find today to be as such as well. But last week we spent a lot of time not talking about irresponsibility, irres- we sp- spent a lot of time talking about irresponsibility. Because I think if you define irresponsibility, at least as this, neglecting to take ownership for your life and its impact on others, if we, spend, if we spent time um, understanding the impacts of irresponsibility, we probably will appreciate responsibility even more. And even going a little farther, we may recognize the places in our life where we're a little irresponsible ourselves and adjust that because we didn't think about or we kind of forgot about the impacts of irresponsibility, not just for ourselves, but its impact on others. And and we reminded ourselves last week, if you remember, that we, we said irresponsibility leads to conflict. So if there's conflict in your lives, you may need to look and say, hey, where is the lack of responsibility in my life in this area? Uh, it's contagious that if one person does it, tendency is that everybody else around you does it. And most importantly, we said, and this is, I think, for a lot of you where it hit home, at least that's what you said in your feedback, that irresponsibility, if, you're irresponsibility, or if we're irresponsible, our irresponsibility becomes someone else's responsibility. Someone else has to take responsibility somewhere along the line, somehow, in some way. They have to take ownership for the ball, that we dropped. I mean, it could be as simple as doing the dishes, right? If you don't make your dishes, make it to the dishwasher. Somebody's going to clean it up sooner or later. Maybe, you, you know, you just leave it there for the landlord to pick up after you leave your apartment, but somebody's going to pick it up, right? You, you, you don't have to wash your clothes, but sooner or later, you're either going to lose friends or your mom is going to come and take care of them for you because she feels bad for you or there's more complex situations like financial situations if you drop the ball somebody's picking it up somewhere along the line parenting if you drop the ball who picks up it who picks that ball up most often we talked about this anybody remember yeah your kids Your kids are going to look at the irresponsibility in your marriage. They're not even going to realize this is impacting them until they get married themselves, and they're going to look back at you and say, hey, why couldn't you have been a better role model responsibly in your marriage for me? Because now mine is a little bit more challenging because irresponsibility has a lot of impacts. So then I left you with this question. As we wrapped up last week, I said, I I encourage you to all ask yourself the question, am I taking responsibility really? Online folks, am I taking responsibility really? Really? Okay? Now, despite um, the challenge and the uncomfort of last week, um, I did hear of some success stories. Um, One of them, which was really awesome, is they said they had the conversation and they asked the question, like, if you don't take responsibility, someone else has to, that kind of thing. They had that conversation, and then the next day, you'll you'll never guess what happened. The trash went out on its own amazing. I know. I mean, I feel like that is an amen-worthy moment. At least it was for them. Yeah, we can clap for that. That is awesome. Miracles do happen. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's amazing what happens when we actually listen to what God says, okay? But Yeah, it's crazy. Um, But today, I'm going to build on this question. In fact, I'm just going to give us a tool in our toolbox of responsibility to help tease this out, make it more practical, and understand the implications of responsibility. And to be honest with you, it's not actually a tool so much as it is just a principle of life. It's a principle of life of life. And you know principles of life. Um, they, they are all around you. Um, they happen regardless of whether or not you want them to. Um, so what I want to do is give you a couple examples, and then I'll give you the principle we're going we're gonna to tease out today, okay? And the first principle um, comes uh, to us. Um, I thought the easiest way to explain it would be just to ask you all, how many of you, you can show hands, how many of you have ever been on a cruise? Cruise people? Okay, yeah. Some of the cruise people are like religious cruise people. Yep, this right here. This is happiness and joy, isn't it? Um, it's it's chaotic for sure. I just thought it was kind of interesting, side note, as I was thinking about this picture, um, that we have come to a place in our humanity, I don't know, we, this may be a message for another time, that we want to be in an ocean and then have a pool in the ocean and then we define that pool in the ocean as a fun time. Isn't that kind of interesting? But people will shuck out a lot of dough just to swim in that pool, even though they're in the ocean. But anyways, okay? Now, and you don't have to have gone on a cruise to do this, participate in this next part. And you can just yell it out, too. Um, what are some of the best parts of a cruise? What's the most fun on a cruise? Anybody? N- none of you have fun on cruises. What did you say? Eating? Eating, yep, yeah, because it's all you can eat. That's a good one. Anything else? What? Meeting people. Okay, cool. If you make some friends on the cruise, that's great. Anything else? Stopping at a port. port, Sunshine, warmth. Uh, I thought of not having my cell phone or my cell phone not working. That's pretty nice. Um, Nobody can call me. Okay. But as good as all those things are, I think the absolute best part of any cruise is a principle. And that principle, in fact, you may have heard of this principle, is Archimedes' principle okay, and some of you are like, huh, okay, and maybe this is a little bit familiar to you from high school or middle school, okay, Archimedes principle is this, your boat floats, very simple, and I think that's the best part of any cruise, because no matter how good the food is, no matter how warm it is, if your boat sinks, it is not going to be much fun, okay, the principle of Archimedes um, is essentially the principle of buoyancy, right? That a body immersed in water, that the more weight it pushes, the more water it depla- displaces, the more thrust the water is going to push back up on that object. It's a very important principle. That's why when you throw a pebble into um, a pond, it sinks. But if you put a 30,000 ton uh, cruise ship in the water, it floats, okay? Okay? doesn't really make sense because you think, well, if that's so big, it shouldn't float. But that's the principle, okay? And it works every single time that you put it in the water. Archimedes came along, discovered this principle, and we've been using it ever, ever since. Same re- uh, bowling ball. Maybe you've ever tested this before. If you throw an 11-pound bowling ball into the water, it floats. But if you throw a 13-pound bo- uh, a bowling ball into the water, it will sink because of Archimedes' Principle. Yeah, the first time I did that, we threw it in thinking it'd sink, and then it floated, and we're like, mind blown. Well, I didn't think a bowling ball would float. Anyways, there's other principles in our lives all the time. Principle of combustion, right? No gas, no go. You can pray all you want, you can hope all you want, but if you don't put any gas, you ain't going anywhere. And here's the, things about, here's the thing about principle as we're, we lead into to our principle for today. Principles can either be leveraged for your benefit, or if you ignore it, it will cost you, and most likely others, the person who gives you the five bucks in gas money, okay? And as Christians, we believe that God created the universe in a way of principles, or laws, or rules, to which we had chaos, and then we had um, structure, we had organization, that every time we put a boat in the water, it floats. Every time we put gas in the car, it turns on. And our principle today operates in the exact same way. And we read this principle um, from a, a, through reading through a guy named Paul's writing, writing specifically to the church in Galatia, uh, or as we may know, or you may know, that as the book of Galatians. All right. And so he is writing to a church uh, much like Ourselves, a smaller congregation of people who are meeting in homes and houses, things like that. Okay, in the in the city of um, or in the area of Galatia. All right, and so he writes to them, and he gives them this principle. And then um, I'm going to read it to you, and then we'll um, I'll give you some explanation, and I'll give you actually some homework too today. All right, so here's the principle that Paul gives us: A man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he sows, and this could be a familiar principle to you. And I just want to highlight something, though. I don't want the ladies in the room this morning to to check out just because it's talking about a man, okay? This is an agricultural reference, okay? So it tended in those days to be the men that did the agricultural work, okay? So this applies, better or worse, ladies, this applies to you as well. Men, we may need it more, I'm not sure, but it applies to everybody, okay? In other words, that if you um, sow corn, what are you going to harvest or reap? Corn. Yeah, it's not a trick question. Okay, we'll try it again. If you you sow beans, what are you going to reap? Fantastic. If you sow responsibility, what do you think you're going to reap? Yeah. And if you sow irresponsibility, you're going to reap? Irresponsibility and the consequences that go with it. And this principle works over and over again, and you know it works. That's why when you get together with your grandma, okay, there's a generational difference, I think, with grandparents. Grandparents know this principle really well. That's why they worked so hard for a lot of their life, because they knew if I just work hard, I will be okay in the long run. And they ask you, you know, how are you doing in school? Why? Because they want to know about you because they love you. But they also want to know, are you working hard? Because in their belief system, and, and we've kind of changed generationally a little bit, um, that if you, you will reap what you sow. It's why uh, we have the, the saying, um, practice makes perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And that is scientifically true, okay? If you want to be a professional, like a superstar at anything, scientifically proven that you have to invest over 10,000 hours to be that good. And you could look all through history. Mozart, we think of Mozart as a prodigy, and um, there are really strong arguments that Mozart, actually when he hit his prime, it was only after he had invested 10,000 hours into his craft. Bill Gates, same thing. He had access to a computer long before anybody else in the world did, and he was able to invest the time in the computer. The Beatles, same thing. They were able to play at concerts long, long, uh, they, they were able to play hundreds of concerts before they even got popular. They had practice, and then they reaped on their practice. The problem is, you and I ignore this all the time. We ignore it all the time. For some reason, we get in our head a different principle. And then we think that we're going to be able to reap where we haven't sown. We think we can reap where we haven't sown. We do this all the time. We do it when we, uh, friends, right? We think with our friends, you know, they're just our friends. They should be there all the time. But that's not really how friends work in the long term, is it? If you don't sow into them, if you don't care for them and love them, you will probably not reap that in return. We did a series uh, a little while ago called um, Love, Sex, and Dating, okay, and we talked about dating relationships. And if you remember right off the bat, we were, we acknowledged the fact that many of us begin our relationships simply based on chemistry, And we think, oh my gosh, it's just explosive and it's just reacting and it's so awesome and and you just like, you can't even see, you're just so in the chemistry of the moment, okay? But that doesn't last. It fizzles out eventually. And it's not a long-term success for a relationship. But for some reason we just think, oh, even though I haven't sowed into this relationship in any positive way, we'll just continue to reap reap the rewards for the long term. We do this with new jobs. We do this with business growth that we just think because we open a business, people are gonna show up or try a new business endeavor, people are gonna show up. We try this, some of you, with car care. Like, oh no, I'm pretty sure my oil change can make it 15, 20,000 miles. It's done it in the past, so why wouldn't it this time? Not how it works. Some of us treat our marriages like we um, are better, or excuse me, worse than we treat our cars. It's the other way around. Um, for some of us, if you look at your budget, you've spent more on your car this year than you have in marriage tune-ups, like going to conferences or relationship tune-ups to be the best single person that you can be for that dating relationship, or maybe you're thinking about marriage and investing. I, you know, I, I don't marry anybody unless we do premarital counseling. It's not because I'm a mean, grumpy, young person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but because I just know there is truth to this principle. A few years ago, um, and you might remember this, uh, there was a bridge that collapsed on uh, Interstate 35 in Minneapolis, and it was a huge, huge deal. And, and here's a picture of it, too. I mean, it just looks absolutely awful. People died, like 17 people died, I think, and 127 or so people were seriously injured. And then, this will really shock you, but they went back and looked at the safety records and all that stuff. And they rated this bridge as what was called fracture critical. In other words, if one thing, just just one thing goes wrong with that bridge, it's all going down. And you got to think, huh, somebody along that line to create that report read that report, but obviously someone didn't believe that it was actually going to pan out that way. Somebody got into their head that they were going to reap safety when they didn't sow safety, and it cost people lives. Moms, dads, kids. It costs lives because that's what irresponsibility into this principle will sow. That's what's going to happen. And my dad, um, growing up, he, he had this one uh, thing that he would always say over and over again. It was exceptionally annoying, um, but it was really true. And I'm sure some of your parents probably had some sayings too. And he, he would say to me all the time, um, why don't you just do it right the first time? <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense, but I guess I was in a hurry. I don't know. But for some reason, I think that's not going to apply to me. I'm just going to be the exception of the rule. And I've learned that that is not the case at all. If you sow into um, your financial situation a lot of credit card debt, eventually the bridge is going to fall. If your retirement plan is Social Security, and you're young especially, I'm just letting you know that this may be what it looks like when you go to retire. If you, if you think you'll just work really hard and then somehow there'll be some retirement there and you don't sow into that, it's not going to be there. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. If you, same thing marriage, right? We just talked about that. If you don't sow into your marriage, not just like, oh, I was there for you when you needed me, but like intentionally, hey, I want to take you out on a weekend. I want to go to a marriage conference. I want to get better. I want to go to a counselor. This may be the end result. And Jesus followers, if you're a Jesus follower here this morning, if you want to reap the joy and the peace and the love and the grace and the truth and everything that goes along with following Jesus, guess what you're going to have to do? If you want us to one day have a facility, for example, because we need that to be more missionally effective, we, we don't need it right now to accomplish our mission well, I don't think, but someday we will, guess when we're going to have to start sowing? Now. It's not just going to happen in an instant. That's not the principle of sowing and reaping, and Paul knows this. And Paul even he he addresses this four verses before our principle. I love what he says here. He says, "If anyone, if anyone thinks because it is a thought, you consciously neglect to take ownership. You con- consciously decide not to abide by the principle of sowing and reaping. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves." Each one should test their own actions. Here's what we think. We think we're a great cook. But you might not be. You think you're organized. You might not be. You think you're a good driver. I'm going to be honest with you. You might not be, at least by my standards at least. I don't know about yours, but at least mine, okay? You might think you are above average husband or wife. You may think that, but maybe we should check with your spouse. You may think you're a good parent. You may think you're the kind of person, oh, I'll just get it done. When it comes up, I'll take care of it. It'll be fine. Sowing and reaping. If you don't sow in advance, you may not reap when the time comes. I'm just saying. And so Paul says you need to test it. you got to test yourself and test the relationships around you. And how do you do that? Well, you personally take a lot of ownership and responsibility for your life, and, and you're honest like I was talking about earlier, you don't give in to your personal lies and justification and explanation for your decisions. you got to own it. Or you can go find a responsible third party to look at your life and say yes or no. I think sometimes that's why people don't want to meet with me. I like to think I'm a nice person, but I think sometimes I get the feeling that they don't want to hang out because um, they just think I'm just going to be that honest guy, you know. Hey, pastor, come on over to our party, and I'm just going to be like, truth, 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 and I'm just going to be, you know, really raining on their parade or something, okay? That's how I feel at least. But when it comes, I'll I'll be honest with you, when it comes to pastoring in general, um, one of the ways that I do this is I meet with a lot of responsible people, people who are farther in the journey than I am. Even this last week, it was a little bit busier week than than others, um, but I met with uh, a church um, in Minneapolis. It's one of the largest churches. I think it's actually the largest church now in Minnesota in general, and they're just doing some awesome things. So I I met with them. I met with a network out of Chicago. Um, I met with a lead pastor in Oregon just this week alone, because I want to take the stuff I have going on, the concerns I have, the questions I have about myself, about our ministry, and if we're doing well, we're doing the the right things, and I want to take it, and I want to test it. I want to be accountable for my decisions. This, this next week, I am uh, plan to go up to Cedar Rapids. Some of you are familiar with the church, um, Prairie Lakes is a larger church here in Iowa, um, and they run a cohort of people, and I go up there, and I hang out, and, and it's good accountability, especially when I'm the only person in the team, so to speak. Um, We have a lot of awesome volunteers, but, you know, day-to-day, in and out, it's kind of just all on me. And so I want to make sure that I'm sowing into things, the right things, so when it comes time, we are reaping the benefits. We're reaping the benefits. And then um, uh, Paul, uh, or actually, I also want to say, when we reap where we have not sown, it costs someone else. We talked about this actually last week, really, um, because we said, if, if you don't, if you sow irresponsibility, if you're irresponsible, somebody else is going to have to be responsible. Same kind of thing. If we reap where we have not sown, somewhere along the lines, if we commit, but we don't follow through, you know, if, if we don't sow relo- responsibility, someone pays the cost. And it costs people something. It costs them. It really does. And we can convince each other and convince others that we, that we are not costing other people, but our irresponsibility our lack of sowing the right things will cost someone it will cost someone and and paul says and paul and paul wants this for you if you do sow the right things if you do reap upon the right things being sown guess what happens You can take pride. He says, then they can take pride, the people who are sowing the right things. You can take pride in themselves alone. Not bad pride. I'm talking good pride. Like, I did a a good job there. I grew. I sow responsibility. I sow practice. I, I didn't deceive myself. I was honest. Without comparing themselves to someone else. You don't even have to compare yourself to anybody else to know that you did well. You don't have to. Why? Because you sowed the right things in the beginning. You sowed what was right for you in your life, in your season of life, and you did well because you carried your own load. Why why do you get to take pride? Because you carried your own load, not because you didn't rely on others, or you didn't test yourself with others, but you, you picked up your pack, and you carried it. You didn't pawn it off, and you didn't compare it to others. You didn't say, well, they're just stronger, and I'm weaker, so I shouldn't have to work as hard. No, you picked your load up, and you carried it. You didn't say, oh, well, I'm stronger and they're just weaker. No, no, no. You picked up your own load. You didn't shortchange yourself because you're like, well, I just, I'm just too good at this and, and nobody else is. And so I don't need to work as hard. No, you picked up your own load. You sowed well. You sowed well. And then Paul kind of just makes this really strange side note, um, but I didn't want to skip over it, because um, uh, he kind of just goes off in this little bit of a tangent. He says, nevertheless, the one, so if you, essentially if you have someone in your life, the one who's helping you, testing you, holding you accountable, spouse, whatever it is, if, if you are receiving instruction from them, and he's talking about in the Word, like if, if, if you're learning and growing in, in the Bible, for example, if you're sowing because you're reading your Bible and somebody's helping you with it, Okay? You should share all the good things with your instructor. You should take care of them. If they're sewing into you, sew back. Makes sense. And then he goes on. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. And he reiterates essentially what we said last week, that you, know, you may be able to deceive others. Like you may be able to, you know, Ma or Dad, you know, I went to that party and uh, there wasn't going to be beer. But then there ended up being a whole lot of beer, and I just, I ended up drinking a lot. I don't even know how it got in my system. Honestly, I really don't know how it got in my system. Um, But uh, if you could come pick me up um, at the county jail, uh, that would be so helpful, okay? And then they're like, oh, honey, you know, it's not your fault, and you just got peer pressured, and they come pick you up. And guess what? You may have deceived your parents, but God saw the whole thing take place. You may be able to trick others, but God is watching. And not to, like, fear you or to make you feel bad, but just know that God is looking at the principle that he created of sowing and reaping, looking at your life and say, listen, they're not matching up. They're not matching up. And guess what? God loves you so much that he created these principles like sowing and reaping so you would know in advance what was going to happen based on your decisions. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Why? A man reaps what he sows. You acknowledged earlier that this principle holds true. Don't you think God knows it too? God loves you so much, he gave you this principle for your life. I mean, imagine the chaos that would be if you one, one out of five cruises didn't make it because sometimes Archimedes' principle works and sometimes it doesn't. Take the fun right out of cruise. If 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 sometimes you put gas in your car and then it worked and didn't, and some of you have experienced that in your car because it needs some help, right? Um, and you sit there, it's frustrating. But God said, No, 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 I will. If you sow well, you will reap. Because I love you so much, I wanted to give you heads up on this principle. So here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to put this equation up here so if you haven't got it yet, hopefully you'll get it now. There's a blank here and this is, represents what you're going to sow. And then there's a blank here which equates to what you're going to reap. And your decisions will make a difference on how that equation works out. Now for a second, um, I want us to all be uh, you know, a little more honest uh, with um, how this has gone in our lives so far. Especially in the moments in our lives, we've all had them, where we got to the reap part and it wasn't what we hoped. It may have been what we deserved, but it certainly wasn't what we hoped. Think about those moments. I mean, what, what do those look like for you? For example, if, if you sowed into your work more than your kids, what got the benefit and what took the cost? If you sowed into your kids, not your spouse, what'd you reap? May they had great kids. Marriage may not last. But maybe a house. You know, I really wanted a house, and so you bought a house, but now you're up to here in debt, and then the market turns, and you lose your job, and three months in, you're like, I'm in big, big trouble. It's, yeah. That's how the equation works. You, you have a choice. Do you party or do you study? Makes a difference. In your, in your past, um, wh- what did you do? Did you exercise or did you eat? That's what you'll reap. Credit card. Retirement, as we talked about. Maybe, maybe you're just not content with where you are in your life and so you started getting greedy. It costs you. It costs other people. Um, what about in your dating or even in your marriage? It, you got a choice. You can either um, begin the relationship with chemistry, and sometimes, I think, especially for guys, it tends to, chemistry is really another term for lust, okay? If that's how your marriage begins or your relationship begins, if that's what you sow, what are you going to reap? Versus love, lies, what are you going to reap? Irresponsibility? Or for some of us, we have surrounded ourselves with people who are sowing the wrong things. We may not be ourselves, But mark my words, for those people who are sowing irresponsibility around you, if you are too close, if you are too close, one day they will reap. And you may get caught up in it. That's how it works. Jesus followers. Sometimes I think um, we can be known by a number of stereotypes. Um, Christians, we can be known by a number of stereotypes. Um, Anger is one of them. Anger is one of them. That we look at the world and we get angry with the world for the world's choices. Even though Paul says, what business of it of mine to judge those who are not in the church? We kind of throw that out the window and we just go around judging the world. Guess what you're going to reap in return? Anger. And I think culturally, a little bit, that's where we are as a church. People just angry. We sow judgment. We receive judgment. They judge the church. We sow fear. You know, if you don't, God's going to get you. Guess what they're going to be afraid of? You and God. We sow politicism into our church, and into our country, and into the nation, the world, guess what we're going to reap? Politicism back. And it probably isn't going to end well for us. Younger generations, if you're in the room this morning, I bet you, as, as people have been processing through this, I bet you there's some 40, 50, 60 years somethings <clears throat> in the room this, right now who are like, I wish somebody at 25, at 22, at 18 would have pulled me aside and got this through my head. Because had they, my life would have looked different. I wish someone would have. I don't know if I would have listened, but I wish somebody would have. See, here's the, here's the thing. <clears throat> you can either be the generation who changes, who takes this seriously, or you will be an example for the next generation. That's how it works. Now, I want to address a couple things, and then we're going to wrap this up, because I realize for some of you, you kind of are the, the skeptical bunch, and so you're kind of p- trying to poke holes in things that I say. That's really cool. Um, that's awesome. Um, but I'm sure for some of you, you're kind of sitting there thinking to yourself, you know, Taylor, I know someone who um, had drank a lot, smoked a lot, uh, gambled a lot, you know, something, something, or another, and they lived to like 70. You know, they lived a happy life that doesn't seem to work with your equation. I just want you to know, sowing and reaping is unfair. Sowing and reaping is unfair because it's not a sentient rule. It doesn't know your name, okay? It's just a principle. It doesn't account for everything. Oh, you know what, so and so, you're just a nice person, so we're just going to help you to reap more. That's not how it works. Because, let's be honest, everybody around you is sowing and reaping too. And sometimes their reaping interferes with your sowing, or their sowing interrupts with your reaping. That's why if your boss embezzles, or the owner of the company embezzles a bunch of money, you could lose your job. Is it fair? No. But they were sowing in a big way, and when it came to reap, you got in trouble. You got the short end of the stick. And Honestly, for that, you know, 70-year-old or whoever, you know, lived a life and sowed some what we would consider maybe not-so-pleasant things into their lives, honestly, we don't know. Maybe, maybe they could have lived longer. Maybe because of their decisions in the past, they weren't there to see their child's wedding. Maybe because of their past decisions, they spent money on, on other things and, and their kids struggled to make it through, through college and, and graduated with a lot of debt because if they would have not spent that money, they could have put like half of it towards their tuition or something like that. I mean, you don't know. It looks good on the outside. We're really good at that. But well, I'm just letting you know, sometimes there's a bigger story behind the scenes. And as a pastor and knowing some of your stories, I know that's the truth. It's not that simple. Sometimes it can be unfair because it's com- complicated. It's complicated. Another thing, real quick, everybody reaps greater and later. Think about this: um, If you, if you, uh, you know, break into someone's house and you steal something, okay, uh, that crime takes you maybe 10 minutes. Maybe you're at their house stealing stuff for 10 minutes. Okay, how long could you spend in prison for that breaking and entering? I don't know, five, 10 years? 10-minute crime, 10 years in prison. Doesn't seem fair, but everybody reaps greater and later. So if you err on the side of later, oh, you know, maybe that'll catch up to me. Later, just know that when it does, it will be greater. It will be greater. Flip side is true, too. If you sow now, when you reap later, it will be greater for your benefit. I know, personally, even though as an agnostic, I was agnostic for about two and a half years, um, during that time, I can tell you there are situations and even emotional costs on me and others that I wish that could have gone differently. But that's somehow how it works. Things that I feel like I'm paying for from then, now even though you could argue, oh my gosh, well Taylor, you've just really changed your direction of your life and you're following Jesus now and you're pastoring certain churches. I mean, that should just like wipe that all away. No, it doesn't. That's the principle. That's the principle. And if you're sitting here right now and you're feeling a little guilty, you know, you get this equation up here of sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping, and you're thinking to yourself, oh man, I just, I feel bad about this, I feel bad about that. Um, you know, the reason is there's a gap. You may even be a little frustrated with me. I hope you wouldn't be because the reason that you're frustrated, the reason that you're feeling a little bit bad, um, and that's not really my goal, but my goal is to make you aware of the gap between what you're pouring into your life and pouring into others and what you hope will happen. You don't hope this will happen, but you also know you're not doing nothing about it to make it happen. And there's a gap. But today, my friends, today you could change. Remember, God is saying that He loves you so much, He gives this principle to you now. And on the off chance you've never heard of it or never understood it, today's the day. Today's the day. But I also want to, if some of you have been working hard, you know, you've been working hard at, at sowing and reaping, you didn't even maybe know it as it was. Paul said, Paul said this great st- statement. He said, Let us not become weary. Some of you are working hard, you're trying to push the ball up the hill, you're in a bad situation, maybe your decision, someone else's, I don't know. And you're just trying to push the ball, push the ball, and through blood, sweat, and tears, you know, you're making it, but you're not sure it's working, and is it worth it? I just want you to know. And Paul wants you to know, and God wants you to know that you should not become weary. And Doing good because at the proper time you will reap the harvest if you do not give up. Is it worth it? Is it working? And you will be able at some point to look back and say, Yes, it was worth it and it is working. For some of you, you, you say maybe today's the day you decide to, you know, God might be worth and Jesus might be worth following. You know, hey, today I'm going to start following Jesus. That is awesome. But also know also know that if you haven't for a while, it may cost you for a little while, but it is worth it. It is worth it. I mean, think about it. As far as cost and, and, uh, or uh, sowing and reaping go, you know, uh, why would you not? Why would you not follow Jesus? Like, Jesus, uh, the guy who defined um, following him, being his disciple, as being the most loving— you will know that, that you are my disciple. People will know that you are my disciple by how you love. Not even how often you go to church. I think that's a real bummer. I'd, I would have rather he said that. But, but he said, no, it's how you love. The guy who said, care for the sick. Care for the needy. Go visit those in prison. Be kind to the outcast. The imperfect. The guy who died for the world. Why would you not want to put him at the center of what you sow. Say, oh, did Jesus do this? Well, I'm going to do this too. I'm going to do this too. And I bet your life will get better, and your, your relationships will get better. It's the principle. So here's, here's my homework for you, um, and I'll even kind of model it for you. To get out your phones, <clears throat> And I realize, you know, you might have difficulty thinking about it right now, but if, if you know, you got an iPhone, you, you pull open your Reminders app, okay, this, this lovely Reminders app right here. Or if you're a Notes person, you use the Note app, and you look at the Notes app regularly. The reason I like the Reminders is because you can set a reminder, okay? And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to think of two things, two areas of your life. Maybe, maybe you determine that because somewhere along the way in this message so far, you have like, that's an area I need to work on. Or I don't know what that is for you. Maybe there's conflict and you realize that it's because there needs to be more responsibility. You drop the ball. You need to pick it up. Somewhere you want to be in this place in the long term, you think of at least two things. You can do more. You can do as many as you want. Why does this keep falling out? Um, because I haven't sewn it on. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Sorry. That was bad. Okay. that. Sorry. Okay. <coughs> stop. 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 Okay. Okay. That you would put at least two things in here. Set a reminder to remind you once a week at some point in the week, just to remind you to leverage this principle for your good and the good of others. To be responsible, to take ownership for your life and the impact on others in a certain area or another area of your life. And you'd put that in there. And then, listen guys, you have clicked on your t- phone to ignore reminders or to check Facebook at least 52 times, maybe even today, okay? Okay. So this reminder is going to pop up just 52 times this whole year that you would start off the year saying, you know what, I'm going to be reminded every day from now until December to sow into my life better in these two areas. And if you do that faithfully, if you get creative, you really take it seriously. You, you psychologically bind. Or if, if you're a Christian, I think it really involves the heart. And you bind your heart to this thing, this task, this relation, whatever it is, okay? I promise you, It may not pan out exactly how you dreamed it would by the end, but if you sow correctly, responsibly, into it, you will get to the end of the year and you will look back and say this was the right decision. Even if it didn't end how I wanted. It ended well. Or I did the right thing, even though others around me didn't. And you will be proud. You will be able to take pride in the end result. Now, if you don't, can't look at me at the end of the year and say oh my life's not better in this area it's like well you had the opportunity now and if you're younger and you think you know hey you know things will be fine i got lots of time to work it out just saying there's people in this room that would tell you otherwise because they lived it you can either be responsible now or pay for it or somebody else is going to in the long term so that's my ask set your reminder remember what you sow is what you reap, all right? Let me pray for you. Uh, we'll sing one more song and get you out of here. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> Lord, um, I just uh, pray um, that uh, you would um, let this principle um, not just uh, walk away from us in the next few minutes as we leave or, or um, you know, after today, we won't remember it, tomorrow. That's why we're setting a reminder. But the Lord, that you would keep this front and center in our lives, that you would help it work its way through maybe the lies or the walls or the seed or the justification or whatever we've, do, we've done in our own hearts to protect ourselves from vulnerable places, that you would let sowing and reaping, this, this, um, this principle, be applied to every part in our lives. And, it, and it's not going to maybe fix it all right away, but in time, it will. So we can look back years from now at where we are right now and say, wow, we have really grown We have really improved our spirituality, our physicality, our emotions are better because I decided to follow Jesus. I decided to change what I'm sowing in my life and the lives of people around me. Lord, please give us the wisdom, the knowledge, the courage, the accountability, the people in our lives, whatever it takes, So we would not walk away from this moment, but we would step into this moment and engage with what you've taught us. In your name I pray. Amen.